new for 96 with your hosts Kevin McCauley and Chris Nguyen yeah all right got a test talk real loud let me see where you peek hello Kevin talk like normal. knifey spoony <laughs> knifey spoony <laughs> you know we moved on to other cult right now yeah <laughs> Wait, look <laughs> you can't live in the past southern hemisphere cutlery uh jordan we, okay i guess we can kind of keep on talking but okay. jordan i have a, a, a story to tell you um when i was traveling in a fried out combi uh it was on a hippie trail head full of zombie <laughs> <laughs> i met a strange lady she made me kind of nervous uh she took me in and gave me breakfast and then she said Oh, no. I mean, Welcome this... to New for, for 96. 96. The best part about this is, I mean, it's an ambush that I sat here and watched you prepare. <laughs> and I don't know. It like... took him five minutes to cue that up. It's <laughs> <laughs> the second time he did it. Yeah, but I still want to have a response. Um, yeah. Yeah. You can't see this, but Chris is really getting into the jam. He's, he's jamming. And look, here's the thing. Are, are, can you can you find another song? This is the only Australian song no, that I know. No, it's not. The, the, if, if Thunder this, Down Under is the other one, I guess. There we go. So now, if, if you were to imagine that that's the song that will get us standing on a table and screaming in a bar somewhere. Yes, is it? Probably in Brussels. Isn't it the national Definitely anthem? in Brussels, with muscles. Oh my god. Um, but... It's not that song, and it's actually not the Australian anthem. Yeah. It's kind of shit. Yeah. It's real shit. It's awful. It's got like 30 verses. Oh, my God. Um, and it's actually, the only reason to know the Australian anthem <laughs> is uh, if you're either so uneducated that you're really proud about yeah. it, or you went to a private school where they forced you to learn verses. And oh the more exclusive God. the private school, the more verses. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> and it is... It's, it's, that it's, was the greatest thing that uh, Prime Minister Paul Hogan ever instituted. It was. At that in, that in tax avoidance. Uh, <laughs> yeah. he, he did get done for tax schemes. <laughs> See if you can plug in and find a band called Hunters and Collectors. Yes. And put on the Holy Grail. Now, this is... Like, you know, Pepsi always has a Super Bowl ad mm-hmm. at halftime. You know, it's kind of their thing. This is the song they play to describe what our is Super Bowl. Is um, your Super Bowl like cricket or rugby? No, it's Australian football. football. I'll, t- I'll tell you about it once I clarify. What, what is Hunters it? Uh-huh. and collectors. Okay, keep going. The Holy Grail. Okay. And um, you know our Super, our Super Bowl is called the, the Grand Final. And it was actually recently. It's uh, Australian football, a national sport. Mm. It, it's entirely sort of based and born and bred out of the city. I grew up in Melbourne where you've got, and, and I'm going to be crucified for this, You've got like 20-something, 30 teams. And, uh, you know, of those, like 20 of them, or 15, 20 of them are from Melbourne, right? Playing one big ground. Yeah. Comes together. The final's in the same place every year. Same time, same date, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, I have a and question. huge. Is Australian football soccer? No. And it is not rugby. Um, and is it, it is, football? It, it's called Australian football. Australian rules football. Okay. It's a full contact sport. No pads. It's nothing like rugby or American football. It's only in Australia. Only in Australia and colonies. Interesting. Wow. I had no idea. Wow. So they drive the the Holden Malu right on the field. And they do burnouts, and and, and the ruts are really good because it it, it makes yeah. for inconsistent play. Very, okay. I love that. That's wow. the challenge. Yeah. yeah. That's the, the field best. goal is hot wiring the Malu. 
the field goals are right. And you take the and when you start it, you carry the ball in the in the payload area across the line. Well, and that's actually it's a really embarrassing thing about us. Yeah, this one. This is the song that will get up on the table, shirts off, and scream. Not now. You don't need to demonstrate yeah, that. Yeah, the, the table's covered in, in sensitive equipment this and, sounds, and cheaper tripods. This sounds far too <laughs> far too dignified for our American understanding of international cultures. There, yeah. I, I reckon there's got to be a YouTube segment of, of drunk Australians screaming that song. I would only imagine. Yes. I would expect you to be in it. Uh, yeah. well, have been. Yeah. Might not have been on the internet. Who knows? It could have been before the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the travesty with the Maloo. When did Australia get the internet? Oh, we still haven't. Oh. Um, <laughs> So basically, we had the this this big infrastructure project called the 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 the, uh, the NBN, the National Broadband Network. We were aspirationally trying to build a broadband network in the mid to late two thousands. Ooh, it's not done any. It's not done. Yeah, but you're gonna have two G when you get to it. Amazing. <sighs> I can't wait for your country to. <laughs> Guys, we haven't this introduced our guest. Oh my god! Yeah, I know. Sorry. Well, As... you can Google me. Yes. And in two weeks in Australia, you'll know who I am. This is true. Dial up. Once your name is downloaded, because there are a lot of consonants, and yeah. consonants take a bit of time to download. Uh, Jordan. Yeah. Will you pronounce your last name correctly? Wish I could. Mm. <laughs> Romelier. Oh, Whoa. my God. I have... I honestly, anytime I've ever said your last name, there have been a lot more juz in there. Well, I mean, it has... Did you, did you, Pick, is there anyone that we know of or could actually think of that has three J's in their name? It's a lot of J's. Dr. J. There's a one. Okay. <laughs> it literally has one. <laughs> what if you say Julius Dr. J Irving? That's two. Yeah. And, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep, yep, three. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's excessive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jeff Jablanski's got two. Yep. Still, yeah. Still, two two's He's easy. Friend of the pod. I won't, there's the, uh, the, Kind of fashion brand, Jajown, Jajajajajown, JJ, three J's, Ound. Are you yeah. familiar with this? No. Okay. No, we're not fashion Oh, people. my God. Right. Anyway, the uh, car-related shirts we're wearing? Yeah. Oh, we you are. are. I'm the only one that doesn't have, like, a 911 shirt on. Yes. Mm. I had an RL for shirt I, that I just saw in my drawer over there. It's a 964 one. You got the 930 on. Do indeed, and a big shout out to Antonio, wherever he is. I know where he is. I'm not going to tell everyone, isn't because he's he a wonderful human being. You'll mob him. Isn't he in a sunnier place currently? He is in a sunnier place. Yeah, because we um, ran into him <laughs> randomly. Oh, did you really? Yeah, I ran we into him at like last year. Well, oh, way to give it away. <laughs> well, I mean, I've been meaning to. Lots of people travel to Luft. We do. Mm-hmm. You know, there's people that you just, you know, you, you, you dearly enjoy, and you're like, mm-hmm. we'll catch up, and... Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm yeah, not, I'm not going to San Diego. Not yeah. saying that's where he is, mm-hmm. but not going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, San Diego C. No, 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 that's too obvious. SD California. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's they always say. I mean, San Diego's what's an aircraft carrier and a zoo. Yeah, yeah. And, you yeah. know. And if I want to see a lot of planes and nonsense, I'll go to uh, Nevada where they've got the yeah. boneyard and all the gambling drunks. Yeah, I mean it's closer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A road trip there. Just a hop and a skip and 18 hours away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are shameless whores, and Jordan was our most popular episode. He was. Oh, I'm sorry. we had him back. We still have not properly introduced Jordan Rajemajelaj. Yep. He is... Add a J, and you're there. Um, Owner... Creator, owner, CEO, president... COO, CFO of and Modern Air Cooled in con- Houston, Texas. Consistent nuisance. Yes. Modern Air Cooled in Houston, Texas. <laughs> you will. Um, and just for posterity, for, for the rest of the episode, to make sure we clarify, 
You can call me Jordan Rory. Rory is actually short oh. for Amelia. <laughs> I cannot oh, believe. Wow. We were this just speaking earlier, just prior to this episode, or starting, the recording, about Rory's and what Rory is short for. I said it was Roarled. I said it was Roarginald, <laughs> which I think is the closest. Yeah, yeah, I think it might be. But according to Jordan, it's Virginia Milledge. I mean, Romelia. Yeah, find, find another one and ask them. You can't. <laughs> yeah. I'm right. Yep, yep, this is true. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, I mean, I had so much fun last time, and, and yeah. I really was really anxious to get back on. And now the only anxiety left is I want to make sure I don't repeat any stories from last Here's time. Here's the thing is that it's hard to vet that because we may or may not have uh, been incapacitated by the end of that podcast. Yeah, we all blacked so. out and then just released the episode <laughs> without listening and I refuse to listen again. Yes, no, 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 no. So, so the episodes actually popped up quite a bit recently for me in that I am, I'm doing a, a whole bunch of outside business consulting with a shop. And part of that is trying to understand the culture and, and who's there and, and me, me personally, and what that means. And uh, a very, very good friend of mine uh, who, who's helping me with this, he's like, well, you should be listening to How I Built This, the podcast. And I was like, well, actually, I'm going to go back on their podcast. So this is when I was driving to Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to go back on when their you podcast. you called me and berated me. Yes, Continue. I berated you. Um, going to go back on their podcast, I'm listening to the new episodes, just to, to find out what they've been doing and what they're up to, and and, and he, he went and listened to mine, or as he said, most of it. <laughs> it was two and a half hours long. It was yeah. a tad long. And I said, well, long. it was a three three and a half hours, but probably five by the time I left the house. Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was two metric hours. All the best was stuff metric was... Metric hours. Yeah. All the best stuff was after we stopped recording, because you had all these other stories and stuff. Yeah. That, you know. No, and then... Uh, look, here is why we're guzzling the whiskey because we need to make sure we get back to that point. Yeah. It's like you study for the test drunk and then you take it drunk. Exactly. That's the only to way to survive. Yeah. It's you also get back to it's that. the Icarus method. Yeah. We're going to fly real close to the sun. Uh huh. You know, yeah. and coming from a country with no ozone layer, I know what that means. No. <laughs> it's, it's, in fact, if no. you jump a little too high in Australia, <laughs> you're either a kangaroo or sunburn. Oh my God. <laughs> I Sorry. cannot believe that is actually true that they say that there. Um, it, it, it is. Uh, Don't even need to verify. I think it's an idiom. Um, yes. Idiot M. Mm-hmm. Now, as I understand it, you don't have horses there, but you do have enormous spiders that you can ride. We, I thought you were going to say wallabies. We yeah, do. Um, called. We, we actually have horses. They're a bit crazy and a bit bit, bit sensitive. They have eight legs. Um, They're they kangaroos. They, <laughs> yes. Um... No, actually, as far as domestic livestock goes, we are the world's largest exporter of camels. What? What? As far as transportation goes, we will discuss the spiders in a minute because I'm creeping myself out. Who is buying camels? I mean, uh, lasagna purveyors in England. I I think. My God. No, uh, so they were were basically set up as a wild invasive species, and they exist in the middle where there's nothing else there, and they've flourished and thrived, so we send them back to Saudi Arabia. Like the frog that Bart Simpson brought over. (laughs) Yes, and uh, that's a particularly harsh joke that one yes. really yeah they're very sensitive remember the, fe- <laughs> the uh, hurt hurt feelings australia what it was the file folder yeah it was something like that yeah, like, yeah. i took some screenshots of some of those jokes yeah. they were amazing australia the hurt feelings of <laughs> so i mean australia we're we're very we play it hard and loose with uh words and offensive yes. words of and course. swear words of yeah. all well. kinds but there was a government campaign that, that was run when I was younger and is still going today. Yes. Quarantine, don't with it. 
Oh, um, God, we didn't. And it's written, and it's there, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopping the head. The the uh, the most amazing thing for us is like we are incredibly well focused on staying an island. Yes, and uh, no man is an island, but our country doesn't want a wife. <laughs> Kevin is showing a series of Simpsons screenshots and memes from the Australian episode. <laughs> Postage stamp celebrating thirty years of electricity. <laughs> it's so funny. Sorry. If, 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 if you exist in this country as a musician a little past your prime, we're ready for you in 10 years. <laughs> I mean, that's, yep. Like, Nickelback is still touring there. Yeah. Um, but we're going back to it. Oh, Jesus. That, that, I lost the train of thought entirely. The road train of thought. Yes. A very, very another Australian transportation yes. aspect. But I've seen that in Fury Road. So, someone made a Fury Road joke to me and I haven't seen it. Oh, my God. It's so good. I've seen the original Mad Max, but yeah, it's not uh, very good. Well, I mean, come on, it's great. It's the national movie. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Mean, come on, man. <sighs> Fury Road's really good. Okay, it's we'll the cut castle this out. actually. The I've castle seen and the none castle. This. The castle uh, shows a series of car hoarding, the kind that everyone in Jalopnik does but doesn't admit to. Mm-hmm. You know, the the four or five. Oh, they they ran. They'll run. <laughs> kind of Holdens, um, but yeah, it's. Yeah. So anyway, going back to spiders, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quit distracting us with your photography. Um, yes. Yeah, so we have spiders. You ride. I'm in the strike zone for when this tripod collapses. I know. It's gonna be a ten-pound camera hitting my head. All right. So the, the nervousness in our voice. So we tried to start this podcast probably an hour ago at this point, and for the first thirty minutes, Chris has been taking candid photos of the room. With a tripod that Kevin has no respect for, and he's underneath the shadow of, and he's very nervous that it's going to fall on him. It probably will. Yeah. I had one just like this, and I remember one plastic part just breaking apart from the other plastic part, and I was, and I like, in New York, and so I think I was in Brooklyn, I, I lived, not in Brooklyn, but I lived in another part of New York, and I'd taken it with me to shoot some stuff at night, and I ended up just throwing it in a garbage can. <laughs> I mean, everything in New York becomes trash eventually. Yeah, I think that's a that's a trope. So you got we're not going to let you get out of talking about spiders. Yeah, so I know the feeling. I I was I, I when I was in high school, I wanted to. We had to. It was like biology. We had to pick an animal to do a project, like a presentation about. And so I was like, I'm going to face my fear. I'm going to research spiders. So I'm sitting in the library, like, squirming in my chair, like, Googling. Well, not Google. This was, like, Lycos. Looking at <laughs> pictures of spiders and reading about them. And I'm, like, sliding back further and further in my chair until I'm basically under the thing to get my head as far away from the computer as possible. And the uh, library computer lab manager lady was like, uh, is something wrong with you? And I was like, Did uh, you just I say need library? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to check the tape. It's a, there's a chance. Um, but uh, anyway, I changed to squid, and it was better for all involved. Well, this is like, what is it, tryptophobia or something like that. Fear which, of threes? No, fear of holes, which oh. is like the new iPhone has three lenses, and it triggers people, triggers mm. me. Because oh, that, that is awful. I actually. hate porous things. Like, I cannot look at a sponge without cringing. What? Uh, yeah, I hate, like, I hate natural holes okay i mean anyways we'll take that for what that can they be extrapolated to joke wise um (laughs) anyway spiders are in fact awful so uh, yeah 
I'm extremely phobic of spiders. You know, sp- there, there are things I'm scared of that I might judder or, or yell or do an R to. The, the scream that I have whenever I see a spider is, is internal and piercing to myself. Um, and the, I inherited this from my mother um, mm. as a child. Whenever I go... <laughs> sorry, damn it, Kevin. Um, whenever I would go with her and she would see a spider of any way, shape or form... She would scream, run, yell, and when you're a little kid strapped to your car seat and there's a giant huntsman, which we're going to have to add a picture somewhere for people to really get into perspective of, um, is a spider the size of a dinner plate crawling out from under the sun visor. You learn to be afraid of them. Now, where this comes back down to it is that we discussed doing another episode of the podcast three or four days ago. And of course, it's a, hey, jog your memory. You know, what are some what are some Australian stories or, or quirks or personality traits that we might want to talk about? Yeah. And I was like a little at a loss because normally I'm pretty responsive to it. Um, this is the one that I brought to the room. I get out of the car today and tell Kevin, I didn't, didn't nearly didn't make it. Open up the door and show him a giant can of bug killer. About a day ago or so, I went to, to get, in the, get, in, get in the 993 drive to work in the morning, climb into my European GT3 RS bucket seats, which are sublime. They're good. And they match your interior color. And they match the interior color. But they're also a challenge and a chore to get into. And so I get all the way in, go up to press the uh, garage opener at the windscreen, and there is a nice big brown spider on the inside of the windscreen. I hate that. I'm scared enough of spiders that if it was on the outside. Yep, yep. That would still be a problem. Oh my god. This was not fun or not good. I bet you've never gotten out of those seats quicker. No, and uh, I am so lucky that I just happened to be parked far enough away from the Cayenne that I didn't swing the door into it. <laughs> um, and I walk inside, and then this is the kind of fear where I, I didn't, I got out of the car quickly, but then I just moved incredibly slowly. No blood to the brain, pallid, white face. And I go in into the house and go, you get the shotgun. Nope. I just went and got the other car keys and left it. I haven't driven the car until now. No, until you now. left it? That's the worst. What because then you don't do? know where it goes. Yeah, what was I going to do? You and don't know where it goes. Well, that's the problem. So I, I came up with a solution How is it better than watching it go into some crevice in the dash or knowing that it did? That's it. So, uh... I haven't driven the car until I drove it over here tonight. Unfortunately, it's my only, you know, functionally running car. Shameless Out of plug. How many? Four. How is that a plug for your car repair business? No, well, I'm selling two of them. Two of them are being serviced for sale. Well, this will be a hell of an ad for them. Yes, and uh, the Miata I haven't driven in like four months. Uh, it didn't leak, or so I thought. Yeah. So the interior needs a good cleaning at this point. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> I haven't so driven... There's a spider just floating around in this car. Probably not anymore, um, but I'm, I'm also going to probably have a heart attack or, yeah. or an aneurysm relatively soon. That's not good. I haven't driven it. I had to get over here for the podcast. Yes. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to be a big boy. I can I can work this out. And when I got a can of, of, of like bug spray, yep. spider killer, turn the AC off because I don't want that stuff going into my cabin air filter. <laughs> close the windows, and as I'm driving along, I'm spraying every surface no. and, and breathing it in. Mm-hmm. I feel um, like, well, then the spider's not going to live inside you, that's not for sure. Not going to be in your lungs, that's yeah. for sure. No, no, yeah. Definitely not going to be in my lungs. <laughs> um, but it's the thing, like, you know, you get the phantom itch, yeah. and, you know, t- 
I've had that the whole trip over because every every second, every neuron that hasn't fired fires oh and goes, <gasps> spider! And I'm terrified oh of it. God, wow. that's the only reason why I would ever own a firearm, which I picked it out. It's a Pearl Inlay revolver, uh, uh, you know, thigh holster size. <laughs> thigh uh, holster. Garda holster. Yeah. Garda holster, yeah. holster. And it would only be for spiders and roaches. So maybe mosquitoes. So uh, if you ever see holes in my walls randomly, yeah. that'd be why. Uh, when I had my Boxster, I used to leave the top down in the garage. Uh, and then I stopped doing that because yep. one day I came out and I got in the car to go to work and there was like a stick bug, which I know they're not they're I know they're harmless. It was like, but a, they're huge. It was like a four or five inch size stick uh, bug on like the, like by the key, like on the left side there. Uh, and I swear it, like I got in the car. I'm pretty sure I got out without <laughs> opening the door. Like I just reverse uh starsky and hutch yep. or or whatever like or dukes of hazard reverse dukes of hazard over the door out of the car and then i like poked it off with a broom or something in my mind uh he was in the car to pretend to be the shifter and he was a lonely stick bug and he just <laughs> wanted to be touched yeah yeah, yeah. what well, was the left side so whenever oh no the Ford gt40 had the the shifter on the left side yeah, you, it was oh, right-hand yeah, drive, yeah. shifter yeah. on the left side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay, so all the way around, yeah. I think a lot of Le Mans cars did uh, because they put the driver on the right side for weight distribution on a mostly right-hand mm. corner track. Yeah. But a lot of drivers like to still have right-hand shifting. Not so much Porsche. Keys on the left, bro. That's correct. Yeah. This is Yeah, true. spiders on the left, bro. Yep. Uh. <laughs> there it goes. I will, if I see a spider on my windshield, but it's without, it's not within reach of the windshield, I will just head down whatever road at 90 miles an hour to get it off. School zone, whatever. Uh, I, at all costs, spiders should be avoided. There's a dead spider inside my headlight Which, on the 911. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't... Like, it tried to climb in, and it oh got mostly God. in, and it got stuck. Oh, Jesus. So on, on Halloween, you just park your car in front of the garage door, and set, set the light on, and have the whole spider <laughs> illuminated. These dead spiders, it. curled up dead spider. Yeah. It's, a, it's a slight bitch to get it open. I mean, it's not that hard, but sometimes it doesn't want to come back But this was on. a small one. The one you said you're, was in your car was large, like, you would say... Was it a br- stick of gum in diameter? Yeah, so it was it was maybe an inch and a half, you know, tip to tip, mm-hmm. um, which that's again, really you know, big for our metric viewers is three or four kilometers long. Yep, um, and you know, that's enough. That's yeah. too much. It's too much. That's too much. I mean, it, it, it's small, honestly small by Australian anything standards. bigger than half the size of a dime is too much. Like that should not exist. Uh, I did have an, uh, I had an, an encounter with a brown recluse once. I was at a friend's cabin. How do you know if it's a brown recluse? It was a brown, brown? recluse. It was brown. It okay. was large. Sure. And uh, I was sleeping in a friend's like log cabin. Uh, and It was there to write the, the next American novel, and it didn't want to be bothered. <laughs> it didn't want to be bothered, but boy, did I bother it. Uh, so I went... I woke up in the middle of the night to use the restroom, went to the sink to wash my hands. I turned on the faucet and this spider, the size of like about the size that was in your visor, jumped out of the drain and I was suddenly very awake and <laughs> cupping water and trying to wash it down the drain and finally it went down the drain and then I shut the drain uh, and then I went back to what 
was my sleeping bag basically and i zipped it up so such that like all i had left was like a little breathing hole <laughs> like uh at the very least if it stung anything it would just be my mouth which i feel like would not be as painful as anything else i probably. mean it would have the same effect as smoking yes exactly so point. spiders are bad well, they are terrible things. Yeah. But going back to, you're right, if, if a spider were to fall on the outside of your windshield, yeah. it doesn't matter where you're going. The answer is to drive fast enough to drive get off, right? faster and faster. It's like speed. Or spray the spray the things. Yeah, it's like speed, because the police yeah. will understand that it. it's just like the movie, you just can't go under 90 miles an hour, because that's clearly the yeah. scientific uh, threshold for spider's grips on glass yeah, yeah. Which, which is a topical segue because i did that very act again earlier tonight when my fuel door popped open oh yeah turns out if i'm 50 60 mile an hour okay so which... you uh, please go on with this but we have just learned just prior to the recording that this is a common thing and all <laughs> three of us have experienced this but go on wait yeah. jordan before you get to that jordan's car is a 1996 truly a new for 96 yes uh, 993, 911, in Arena Red. C2. Carrera. It, it, is yeah. the, it is the blushing maroon. It is. Um, yeah. humble, humble car of the period. Um, and I, I adore it. I mean, it's the forever car. It, it represents the shop. It represents me. It's a little rough around the edges. And uh, every time you turn it on, it swears at you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so it, it's developed you know, another old car quirk. I mean, there's a lot of old car quirks, but there's a new one where... As I'm driving along, if I hit a bump, the fuel door, which, you know, on a Porsche is on the you know, front driver's side fender and is incredibly visible to you as you're driving along, <laughs> pops open. I mean, we're not talking some CUV where you will never know that you've got the fuel handle still hanging out the back, dragging the hose down the highway. This is like, it's going to drive me nuts. And uh, so it started popping off on a bump. And I thought that's really annoying until the first sort of time it happened. I went to close it again and realized it doesn't want to close. And uh, me being the the mechanic that I am, decided not to fix it, but to hit it harder. Um, which is step one <laughs> yep. of any diagnosis. Of course, of course. So I found that's out what they teach first first day of Australian mechanic school. Yep. No, 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 no. First day of Australian mechanic school is set fire to it to make sure the spiders are out. <laughs> Drink more beer. <laughs> yep. Um, no, and so so if I push it down really hard, it. it what if it is the spider in there just messing Holy with you? <laughs> just messing with you. A little arm like yeah, yeah. <laughs> popping it open. So I'm not gonna make a joke about that. I just shot it. <laughs> I visibly shot real. it at the Sorry. Sorry. Um, actually, no, that's what I have actually been caught at a um a service station before or gas station which sells a liquid, you know, whatever. America. You, you do you guys. Um so I was stuck at a service station. Petrol and distillery. Yep. Petrol distillery. I don't still look at Petroleum that's, that's, that's bait down. Um, <laughs> no, so the yeah, I was stuck there because I, it has a little flap, which you've got the interesting flap for your car, don't you? Like the Seinfeld one. Oh. I, I don't I don't have I have just this OEM one. All right, you do now? Who had the Seinfeld one? Um I don't know. I think Kevin Reese had it for a bit. Oh maybe. Oh, the actual okay, yeah. Yeah, you know the The Joshy Robots yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, so those, it, when you work, when you fuel a 911, you know, it's in, in your front driver's fender, you, you pull a little toggle, it opens up, and then there's a flap to make sure you don't dribble fuel. A, a bib. A, a bib, bib, if you um, will. And so I undid the bib, and there was a spider in there, uh, and I got stuck uh, at the fuel station. I had no fuel in the car, couldn't put fuel in the car. It was in there. Clearly, you um, should just drench the bib and the, the orifice, the gas orifice, with, with fuel. gasoline. I did. 
<laughs> that was the answer. I, I, I did. I um, wish more cars had a bib. I yeah. know. Honestly, that is really good because I've never... Well, you have spilled gas onto your fender. Yeah. At some point but, in the spring, it stopped... The fuel cutoff stopped working. So now I just don't uh, fill it up until it clicks. <laughs> I just fill it up after like 11 gallons and then I start looking at the meter or at the thing. That's the Thankfully, it's the one gauge that sort of works. <laughs> Yeah, I mean they they generally pretty reliable, um, but but for me it has it's essential that they're reliable at the moment because they discovered as I close the fuel flap, it doesn't want to open again. I can't open it again until I hit another random bump. Yep. And so I'm now stuck playing this absurd roulette game where I get down to the last quarter of a tank, and I know that that I have to go and find bumpy roads in Houston <laughs> near a service station that I want to go to to fill up. And I have to hit them and drive around the block and drive around the block and drive around the block and yep. hope I don't run out of fuel yep. where I can't get the thing open. <laughs> um, old car problems. Old car problems? Because I just... Totally normal like, things. In yeah. the last two weeks, that happened to me for the first time ever where I scraped a driveway uh, with the bar that runs underneath the front and I the fuel... Uh, door popped open and it was really strange. I was really worried that, like, that's the, <laughs> that's not supposed to happen. And then when I got out of the car, the trunk was also open. <laughs> so I apparently had disturbed it enough to open all of the latches uh, all at once in the front. This just reminds me, like, I remember um, when I was shooting the Carrera T last year. And I remember we were. Was like, the new Carrera T? Yeah, the new Carrera T. And I remember it. It was, and it's not even the stiffest 911, but we were, we had driven it. Like, I think I was outside of the car for some reason. And Chris was driving onto like a driveway to like fill up with gas and seeing that go up like a driveway like that. And it's so stiff that like a wheel is off the ground mm. on like a really, really shallow driveway. <laughs> yeah. My, the 903 does that. It, it, it pulls a wheel because the suspension is it's very stiff. stiff yeah yeah uh the old my old turbo s did that in a huge huge way because it was so low that i didn't give it any latitude to move. Yeah. the wheel just hit the top of the arch and lifted the whole thing up yeah um but certainly on the old cars they shimmy and shake and as you found out if you touch it the right way it'll open up for you <laughs> yeah <laughs> everything goes out of alignment yes. for a second yeah throw, throw caution to the wind that is astonishing but yeah Huh. So, what became of that spider? Did you actually drown it in gasoline? Well, so the the, the first one, I drowned that one in gasoline. Yes. Um, the second one Fair. is an unknown soldier, and I fully expect there to be a replacement, but smaller spider, marching back and forth. Listen, uh, egg sacs only hold between oh, God damn it. six and a thousand babies, so... <laughs> oh, Kevin has been motioning like a baby for the bottle. <laughs> Kevin is crawling out of his egg sack from yeah. all <laughs> What a what a horrible word, sack. Like, it's not good. It's when, not good. When I when I when my family lived in Florida, which is our Australia. Yeah. Uh, the family sack. We were there for like two years as a kid. I'll make this very brief. But my family, we moved to a place, and I, I for my whole life, I thought this was all of Florida, but it was actually just our neighborhood because they bulldozed an orange grove to build a new development. And that was our house, was in this development. And so we had all the worst spiders and insects in the house all the time. Ugh. And they were huge spiders. Ugh. And anywhere, and we had like 20-foot ceilings. And so there would always just be one really high Ugh. up. And it was uh, not good. And I just I still attribute that with all of Florida. But they were, they were big spiders. So 
I where I used to live. I don't know. We're still on spiders. New for Iraq. New for arachnids. Ninety six arachnids. Uh, so my old place used to have wolf spiders, which are completely harmless, but they can be kind of big. They hunt in packs. They do, and they are um, uh, dime sized. And here's the thing: uh, the mother spiders will carry the hatchlings on her back. Mm-hmm. And so it will be a spider with like a hundred little tiny spiders on her back. And if you disturb them, they will disperse. Yeah, and it I've is a nightmare. We had that with them in the pool. Ugh. There was one going on the pool with a hundred babies. Uh, and we hit it with the skimmer and then it's like a thousand little baby ones. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to our Halloween episode. Yes, <laughs> uh, it is. It, it actually it has to be. And again, I, I need to to remind that we link a picture of a huntsman spider, which is the dinner plate sized. Regular, I'm not googling that shit. Right, oh, I, <laughs> I will not oh, google oh that. Oh my god! I can close my eyes and have severe issues imagining it. Um, but they're they're dinner plate sized, and they're they're jerks. They're they're one of those, as Chris put it slightly earlier, the good spiders. You know, in your house, they're keeping up the other critters because if your dog gets too close, it'll eat it. <laughs> that's that's true. true. What other critters are there? Birds, I guess everything. Birds, Scorpions, yeah. neighbors, um, whatever. You know, just the, the regular kind of animals. Yeah. Um, Within a, a, an acceptable spider size is one millimeter. Wait, so is, is a it. huntsman, is it like hairy like a tarantula? Yes. So it, oh, I mean, it, it's, it's a big hairy spider. It's bigger and, than uh, a tarantula. Uh, I don't believe so. I, I think that broadly comparable. I think it's it's a little skinnier. It, it's a more model focus. It's got long, long, thin legs. Oh. Um, but the thing is, is, is what they do is they want to catch the bugs in the room, the birds, the people, the bees, everything. Yep. And so where is the most traffic in a room? It's the doorway. So you walk into your room, you do your business, whatever it is you're doing in there, and then you look to go to leave and it's sitting right above the doorway. Now, you didn't worry about that when you didn't know it was there, but now you're trapped in the room. As a kid, I climbed out so many windows <laughs> for that exact reason, because I would consistently sit above the doorway. But would they drop, drop on you? No, those are the bears. The drop bears. I am just... Oh, we talked about that last time, and I Googled it, and then I don't remember. But... I am just imagining you as a child looking at pornography on your dial-up laptop in 2012... <laughs> And then there'd be a spider watching you, and you just, you know, it's just not going to happen. There was one really good Australian porn website of the period, 8-Bit Bitches. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we'll bleep some of that out. <laughs> we'll um, link to that. Yeah. Yes. No. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a simpler time. Rustic. We're Indeed. terrorized by animals. <laughs> Delighting in the uh, female pursuits. Three hours later at a time. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, then. Uh, side note. So, I've been watching um, Halt and Catch Fire. Have you heard of this no. series? It is an AMC show about, uh, like, the 1980s. It takes place in the 1980s and then spans, the, spans into the 90s. But it's about, like, early... Uh, basically, the early tech industry. Like, Steve Jobsian type stories. Uh, and they, the story has moved into the nineties now it, the show's over now, but, uh, where I am, they've moved into the early nineties and they're developing the web basically Ooh. and are starting to also enter once now it's fast forwarding and they're developing search engines or this is the nascent era of, but car related 
So they have on the show selected cars for each of the personality types, and the Steve Jobs type on the show drives a first-gen Acura Legend coupe because oh. he is kind of like a visionary, like on the cusping or on it's the cusp. Cool yeah, I that was that is exactly Didn't what Steve Jobs like buy his employees like nine forty fours. I think I that's a story. That. Is I that a thing? That, There's yeah. a number. He was always a Mercedes fellow. That's, yeah. That was a thing. That, that, he drove SLs. Well, I knew that was later, but this was like in the 80s. Oh. I think he bought his employees 944s. I know Gates was into Porsches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so we're talking the... We're talking He's pioneer, the original 959 guy. We're talking Pioneer Steve Jobs type, not yeah. the paranoid, I buy a new car every two months. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, Pioneer type. Like, this would be like leading edge. I mean, like a legend at the time... Uh, probably was cutting edge. Uh, cutting edge, maybe not the most luxurious thing you could buy, but... This was when he was at Next, right? Yes, yeah, this was the Next era. In fact, one of the episodes is called Next, spelled in proper brand standards with N-E, cap X, cap mm. T, uh, because that was the fastest computer that you could have at the time, and you could connect to the internet by way of uh, the Next computer. But anyways, so... Sorry. Okay, 1990s. If you were... Who you are today. Well, no, because we all choose dumb Porsches still. Mm, yeah. uh, let's say you were a um, affluent, uh, technology-minded techn- individual. Just something a little bit ahead of your time. In 19, let's pick 1992. What would be your car of choice? That is not a Porsche. Oh, that's easy. So uh, easy. To me, to be a used Aston Martin Legondo. Oh. Oh. Twist. I see your wedge, and I raise you 850 CSI. Oh. oh your your kidney grill is bigger than mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. that's going to be an issue on the Autobahn, because I'm going to be pulled over and broken. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm going to really resent you going past. I'm going to go with a 500E, a Mercedes 500E. Oh, oh come which on. Which is oh, technically uh, all. not yeah. a Porsche, even if it has a hand-built motor by Porsche. I uh, pointed out on... Twitter, this is dumb, but about me and Will were bitching about how the C8 Corvette, how it, it's like it's weird that it's mid-engine and yet it has all these like giant grills on the front that are twice as much grills as the C7. And then Bozy pointed out, was like, well, the C7 overheated all the time, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, um, I was having that conversation with a, a client of mine that's moved into a, a Porsche Turbo. After having, he's like, I've had like six or seven Z06 Corvettes mm-hmm. over the years, and I want something that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 991 Turbo, we've already pumped it up to sort of 650 horsepower, 650 yeah. torque. The next stage is Boy, that's around a, 800 wheel horsepower. That's a transition. What would, that's not what I would have considered ever a logical transition from a Corvette lineage to a 911. What would be okay? Let's fill I mean, in that they blank. They are sort of competitors. They are, but and especially if you're talking in like the top, like the Z06, which is like 650 horsepower. Ideology, though. I mean, like yeah, ideology is different, but I mean, it's like yeah. you're talking like we're, we're, I would have almost like assumed that you'd go like Aston first or something like that because you want like kind of muscle car and you ease out of muscle car into something yeah, a little bit more agile. Maybe, but people yeah. don't think that's a little... You're applying too much logic. Like, maybe. Corvette is the big brand North American supercar. Right. And 911 is the big brand European supercar. Let me, let me fill you in some more details and then, then y'all can make your, okay. your value. Please, yeah. So, from what he said, he was talking about he had an opportunity to get into a 458, 
or various other, you know, turbocharged mm. Ferraris and newer things. And he was like, I couldn't drive a Ferrari. I couldn't turn it to my friend's house. Mm. I couldn't uh, go to work in it. You know, he's looking for an everyman. He's like, you know, ev- the, the, work, the, worker, the worker in your company sees a Z06 and loves it. Sure. They see a GT350R and they love it. Mm. You know, they see a 911, they don't care about it. They see you in a Ferrari, they hate you. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and there is a, a big... It's so interesting. It's really cool that you put it yeah, that way. And yeah. so, you know, I, I get a chance to drive a lot of these cars. I, I had a, a 458 that I borrowed for a while, and I drove that car down the street, and I made everybody's day who didn't know me because they loved seeing a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. I drove a GT350R for a week. Same thing. People loved it. Yeah. But then, that being said, you t- I turned up to, you know, a regular pub with some friends, turn up on the Ferrari, and they go, ugh. You turn up on the Mustang, and they're like... I don't care about that. You yeah. know, it was, it's a very different thing. Like when yeah. people know you, mm-hmm. these cars have a very different connotation. Oh, certainly, experience yeah. driving them. Now, the thing with this particular client is like you said, he's like, I can get away with the, the, the turbo. It looks like a Cayman, you know, it, it, it for, if it's in like an unassuming color. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just Porsche. It is. It's, it's a, a lump darker, of, it's lump a of Porsche. Yeah. And, yeah. And then, so that's that particular aspect of yeah. his decision. He then describes, I mean, we're, Despite doubling the horsepower, where we were also really focusing on the front end suspension mm. setup turn in, mm. because he's like, look, I went to the drag strip. I ran these times. I want to go way faster. But I also want to go to Coda and go way faster. Yeah. Um. And and so that's kind of what we're what we're really focusing on there. What's really interesting is like like I said, I can bolt on some suspension bits from the GT cars and give him the same turn in as the GT3 RS very similar handling yeah. for relatively inexpensively using the backlog of parts that mm. we have uh, available to us from the, from the Porsche program. Um, we can also double the horsepower and double the torque and not have to upgrade the cooling system. Wow. And that's where the Corvette falls apart. Yeah. So the Corvette just doesn't have the cooling. It, does, it doesn't have the, it doesn't have the redundancy in the systems. It's not over engineered and, and, you know, that will be reflected and it's going to be an incredible value. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, most cars, honestly, by the time you roll them out of the door, they're going to be $70,000 vehicles at this point. They're going to be amazing for that for the first two laps in Texas. Mm-hmm. When you try and race them further than that, it's going to fall apart pretty quickly. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think with the C8, I think they had to have learned from the mistakes. And, and a lot of it, it's not even about cost. It's not that the cooling has a cost. It's like the cooling has to be thought of from the beginning. You have to shape the car in such a way that you can have the amount of air going in the right places. Absolutely. And I think the worst thing they could have done for the narrative is to have made these substantial and dramatic changes and then go, oh, well, they did all this work and it still overheats like the last one. Like yeah. that is the first thing the magazines would have jumped on. and Yeah. Well, so I wanted to talk about the C8 reviews a little bit. I don't know if you saw any of them, but just so there's two things that I found really interesting as a takeaway because uh, so the C8, the Motor Trend, a bunch of magazines reviewed it this week. They, they, the reviews, the embargo broke. Yeah, yeah they, they, they said, drove it. I read the roundup on Jalopnik, so I've seen, yeah. the, I've seen the cliff notes. Okay. Well, so it's... What's interesting is, first of all, everyone says, yeah, it's, it's 
good. It's okay. It's 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 okay. Wait till the good one comes out. Wait till the better one comes out. Right. And then and so it's like you don't see that with nine nine two where it's like oh just wait till the GT three it doesn't suck. Yeah, because the C two is. It, it's just I've never just seen a good. car graded on a curve like this where it's like yeah it's it's fine but it's Basically, gonna be it's gonna be not bad yeah. in two years. Wait Basically, two years. It's the, like if the iPhone it's like if the iPhone X. Yeah. The 10 comes out two years ago, and it's like, wait till the 11 in two years. It's going to be really impressive. As they are framing it, basically, the base C8 Corvette is just the it's way that they get... Point. It's the way that they get it to 60K. Yeah, uh, and, and all the ones they're reviewing... Also, it, I find it kind of bullshit that all the reviews are with $90,000 yes. cars, and the whole story of this car is the $60,000 Exactly, price. that's the whole point, is that with, it is When you test a Porsche, and it's car. expensive, and it has $45,000 in options, and all, I know that all, I know that every press car has all the options, sure. but with a with a Corvette, when the story is sixty k and no one will ever drive that in Motor Trend, yeah. you, no one will ever review of a sixty k Corvette. It should just be good. I mean, like, that... Base level should just be good in theory. In theory. In theory. So I mean, I'm sure it'll be like the base, no options, actual 60k car is probably decent. But yeah. But I, I say this with you know every bit of self awareness and smugness. Every year, despite what Porsche were doing, we don't grade them on value. We sit there, we drive them. We we drive the, the current 911. We drive the current M3, M4. We drive the intro of McLaren, the intro of Ferrari, these other cars, we sit back and tell ourselves, Porsche still make the best accessible sports car you can buy year over year. And, you know, in I live in a very insular world car-wise where I'm doing nothing but comparing Porsche on Porsche on Porsche, and the new one comes out. I hate change. We all hate change. It's scary. Mm -hmm. You know, the rear end looks a little funny. I will get used to it. But then I, I spend, it's usually the third or fourth example of a new generation that I get to drive, play with, tinker, make a little louder, make a little faster, where I redefine that I say, contemporary-wise, this is the best sports car you can buy now. Yep. And, you know, the Corvette is becoming defined by its price and its value. Yep. And I mean, that's always been the story. It, it has always been the story up until the point where they, maybe not explicitly, but really kind of tried to change that. Yeah. Um, and I, and I'm, so I'm very curious to, to find out. One of my good friends is close to the top of the list for, for local orders here in Houston. He seems to think he's going to flip the car for a profit, and I doubt it. I doubt it severely, but I will get to drive it. I'm cool. very much looking I, forward to it. I would say yeah. in the first two to three months, he might be able to flip it for mm. a value, as in like if, no one, if you didn't get on the waiting list uh, soon enough, I'm sure. But... That's the other thing, too, is that even an old 911, whether it's a 991 or a 996, is still base level pretty good. Like, and it doesn't have to try that hard. I mean, the dyna- the dynamics, the, just the classic setup. But this this I, car, the I'm C8, sure this one will be pretty good be around fine. town. If yeah. you're not pushing on the track, it'll probably be fine without, like, the Z51 and stuff for most people. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's it's... You make a, a good point. The other thing that I noticed that's funny about this one um, is all the reviews are like, well, 
it understeers like crazy, but keep in mind the owners are complete moron Neanderthals. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, that's what they're saying. Yeah. I'm not putting these words in no. their mouth. Like, they right. are saying, like, are it understeers to... insanely, but these people, think about how stupid these people are going to be that buy it. I mean, it's it, that's like what the, every review says. It's like, it understeers insanely, but keep in mind these owners have to get used to the mid-engine thing, and they fake, probably fake don't news. even know how to pass a driver's oh, test. Fake, fake news. The, these people are just have an advanced knowledge of driving, <laughs> and they know it's safer to hit the tree with the rear end first yep <laughs> i was gonna say they're like very good at this because yeah. <laughs> they're, they're gonna work it out neutral yeah. handling we love to hit the tree backwards don't we folks <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um and now there is an engine to protect them from yes uh the instead of uh hollow fiberglass yeah uh as clarkson like to point in out the go- in the golf yeah. clubs and the yep golf there's clubs one there. there's one particular saying that i i use when when clients come in and say yeah I need to buy another daily. What would you recommend? And I, I consistently recommend three or four year old, you know, E classes, C classes. If they're BMW people, BMWs, but only if they're BMW people. Um, but I, I basically say, go and look at what the car was worth new and sold for, and buy buy a car that's four years old that was kind of appeals to you in that area. The reason being, you know, if Mercedes or Audi or BMW engineered this to be in a hundred thousand dollar car even four years later when it's worth forty five thousand it was still engineered to be sold True. at a hundred thousand yeah. dollar level and it lasted and it that way. a lot better oh yeah, yeah. you know and, and you look at something called the corvette was designed to be a sixty thousand dollar corvette mm-hmm. so in four years that thing is going to be horrible it will be regardless. Yeah. It will the best feel like what it's worth at that when time. When they sell a new one for one hundred and forty grand, it's, it. it's and, and if they if they have to make money at sixty thousand dollars now you know, they've yeah. really missed that point where they could have pushed the price a little and got exponentially better results. Yeah. Um, the the one, and Kevin, you might know this, the one review that really spoke to me was uh, decried the lack of character. They said, the car is incredibly fast. It doesn't feel like itself. And I don't remember which publication that I don't was. It was one of the big I don't ones. Know. It, was a, it was a smaller quote in one of the... Um, I, I, I saw Rodent Track and I saw uh, Car and Driver and Motor Trend. Yeah, so this was this was one of those on on the, the smaller section that Jalopnik picked. Okay. And, and where I really liked that, and I, I spoke about it to a couple of clients that day after I was reading it because it was on my mind, um, that's how I feel about McLaren. Mm-hmm. Is and I think I might have told you this before. You know, I got to drive a, a 570s for about a week, mm-hmm. and just to get to know it and familiarize myself and prep it for the track. And I, I've driven a lot of Ferraris and a lot of Porsches. And you drive a Porsche and you go, well, they made this car for 60 years. It's it is what it is. Yeah, it's pretty good. You know, you drive a Ferrari and you go, yep, they made this car for you know 40 ish. They've had a rear mid-engine V8. Yeah. Thereabouts, yeah, a little less, but it's this. You know, it's a Ferrari. We yeah. have these specific characters. You know, Porsche has their evolution, Ferrari has tradition, and, and I distinguish those. You know, Ferrari holds on to mm. a bad idea a lot longer, <laughs> knowing well that the engine's out the back in the 911. Yep. Um, but McLaren, they engineered a car to be incredibly bland, just to not be like a Ferrari, not yeah. be like a Porsche. And you know, I never really fell in love with the car. Yeah. And and there was a point reading those Corvette reviews, like the roundup from different publications from people that, that it takes a lot for cynical media automotive journalist types to be excited about something and yeah. they didn't get it. The James May fizz. Right. They didn't come it from that didn't car. Come, and that's a shame because we even said that on an earlier episode how excited we were for what this car meant. 
because at a sixty thousand dollar the C eight. Uh, because it is important as in like, you can have all of this for $60,000, but it may turn out to be, and we, you know, to reiterate, none of us have driven it. However, from the average of reviews, as it turns out, like it's fine. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's delivering, not revolutionary. It, the, the specs and everything delivers. It's like, yeah. it's like a Ferrari at 430. What it did for 180 grand Mm -hmm. you know 12 years ago yeah obviously you're not getting that entirety but um it is an interesting proposition i kind of i'm a little bit sad and i i was never on on to the looks from the start but i'm kind of sad that it started it's already starting to age well it's funny because when they they debuted it so they debuted it in the red in like some dramatic yeah, he lighting the, and the bad wheels and the bad wheels. But in every photo in the real world, it looks worse than those launch yeah. photos. Every color that's not the red looks worse. Oh, every yeah. color is bad. I hate to say that. I mean, every I really color hate to say is that bad because well, yeah. So I have a personal, I have a personal Corvette story about when I moved to the U.S. was was right around when the C7 was launched. Yeah, and I it, where we are with the C8 now is when I kind of got off the boat. Um, and that was a car. I mean, that was a striking design. Yeah. The I C7. Think, remember, when, I think when C7 came out, we were all going, wow, that yeah. looks really yeah, was good. good. Yeah. Um, then I got to see some of the, the earliest ones in town, and I don't know if they didn't take the shipping blocks out of them, or if I didn't quite realize the ramifications that Corvette owners drive them three times a year, and they're a little older. Um, but I'd see them, the wheel gap, gap between the top of the rim and yeah. the tire to the wheel arch was tremendously bad yeah. from what I expected mm-hmm. and what I wanted and what I expected to see. So I'm, I'm reserving judgment for the C8 because I think they could claw some of that back if they set the cars up well. <sighs> you know what? I mean, the fundamental problem that there will be cool versions that yeah, will, but it yeah. is seems like they're starting at a fundamental bad Just, back step because they designed it to have this trunk in the back. Here's the thing is that like, also, there's already... Sp- so much clad to it. I mean, it's restrained for GM, but yeah, there's already so much clad, and then you add more for the special editions. Like, can it look better? Possibly. The race car actually looks good. The race car doesn't have it. Doesn't have like an add-on chin splitter. It has like a yeah. splitter that sticks out further in a cool way, but it doesn't make it taller. It's just yeah. a little bit deeper. I understand but- that where they had to go was to add clad to be different like they didn't want it to look like a ferrari go go but go and someone go on photoshop the race car renderings and remove any livery or graphic from it yeah and it's gonna look bad again it's a horrible livery too <laughs> it's a horrible livery but you expect it. you ignore the busyness of the livery and a lot of the busyness of the body blends into yeah. that and it, it, it i just it's it, it, going back to the prototype the camouflage yeah. that's what the race car does for me I mean, so what I, a shame just it just in general because like a mid-engine car is always going to have a unique look to it it doesn't need more to help it uh although some might argue for certain cars that didn't turn out so well i mean uh actually i can't think of it okay what is a mid-engine car that does not look good 718 came in yeah okay that's different yeah hands down that is different. Well, the 718 is a 981. I think a 981 I don't like looks the 981. Fine. Unless it's the GT4. Yeah, the GT4 is perfect. GT4 the wing good. helps. I think I love Wait, the Wait, we're, we're talking about Cayman. Okay, yeah. so Boxer looks good. Boxer looks good. mid-engine uh, cabriolets. Spires. Mid-engine cabriolets look cool because look it really emphasizes yeah. that the windshield is so far forward. And I agree that 718 is not the most pretty car. And it's because uh, they evolved it from the 987 and decided it would sell more if it looked more like a 911. 
so that's unfortunate because the original Cayman did have a unique look to it. People yeah. didn't take to it as well. Before you derailed us, I was going to ask you okay. what uh, Corvette is driven. But sure, let's keep answering this line fine, of questioning. Fine. Go ahead. Wait. Oh, what? Uh, do you want to answer the question? Or the <laughs> Kevin bullets? is getting sassy. Yeah. Okay, let's so answer the, uh, his FN. question. You want, it, you want uh, an earnest list of Corvettes that I've driven? Yes. C706. All right. I have driven none. That's it. That's I've, it. Just driven, I've driven a C7 Z51 and a C6 Z06 and a C6 regular one. Mm. I almost toroed a C7 7-speed uh, manual in LA, but... Did not get to it's it. a neat don't, car. Don't started on seven speed manuals. Oh, yeah, that is yeah. so weird. I yeah. I just can't because I already like feel like six gear is so useless uh, in general. Uh, I can't imagine like how, where do you where do you need six? It's just over overdrive and, and it's then just to where hit do you fuel need emission, seven? Like I know, targets. I know, and, but and, and there's a tacit acceptance of that in the industry because if you drive a nine and one with with the seven speed, you have to go hunting the seventh gear i mean you forget it's there it's not intuitive it's not it's a second reverse you have to make a conscious decision yeah actually i want to go that way Mm -hmm. um and there was a time with with the launch of the 991 say they had a a far more complicated vacuum control system with a series of solenoids and for for those who haven't ever worked in the automotive industry you have a have a part number from a manufacturer you normally have like the the model of the chassis that it's in yeah. and then you have like a group number category that it's in like so so for Porsche you have like 996 dot so it's a 996 part then you'll have 106 if 106 means it's related to coolant yeah. or if you had 105 it means it's related to oil and then you have a dot three-digit number and that's the part there's never really more than a thousand parts in a category for a car yeah and then there's the last two numbers it starts with dot zero zero then it goes dot zero one dot zero two and those are the provisions of that part where over the years and the different model years they start updating they they work out what fails yeah it's really interesting now start the podcast here well actually (laughs) i mean this is a very technically interesting thing i mean if you're on your your part supplier your pelican bots or ecs or whatever it is you choose to use to avoid paying me um (laughs) not sassy not better and uh, you, you pay attention to the revision of the last part number. You want the, mm. the most current up-to-date mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one. Normally, on a 996, we might see the last numbers being 0304. Mm. We've had three revisions, four revisions of that part. Yeah. That's what's current. It's pretty rare to see anything higher than that, even for earlier ones. Yeah. On 991s, these vacuum solenoids were up to seven or eight. Wow. Within two years of the car being released. Wow. The Have sub- they failed? They failed, and the, the supplier just couldn't get wow. it together for the conditions of where it was sitting. And and what was quirky about that, I mean, this is modern electronics, yeah. and, and part of that controlled um, parts of the coolant system. So you would have this vacuum solenoid fail that yeah. stopped your sport exhaust, but also through a, a coolant overheating warning. Hmm. And that was something that we kind of struggled and dealt with in the beginning. And, and there was one car, and this gone way back to the seven-speed thing, one car where we would would replace the solenoid, we kept getting sent ones that weren't the latest revision. Mm. Plug it back in, and it would be bad yeah. out of the box, to the point where we give the guy the the client the car back, drive it for two days, a warning light would come back on, bring it back in warranty work. We'd replace it with a new version of the solenoid. A warning light would come on because we're buying from similar dealers. Yeah, they just gave us the one next one off the shelf. Yeah, they're all bad. <laughs> um, got to the point where we're like, no, 
order us a new one from the factory. We'll go from there. And then the client said, go and drive the car. And I'm doing laps of 610. You know, and not slowly, but not, not crazy fast anyway. Yeah. One and a half laps later, I remember to have a seventh gear. It took me that long, like a good hour and a half of driving to remember that there was how a seventh fast, gear. What a tall gear. Like, how fast do you need to be going for that to really make sense? It, yeah. So, it, it really isn't speed dependent. You can go you can go nine, nine and a half tenths flat sure. out in sixth gear. The seventh just drops your RPM down. Now, on, on the 9M1s where this was introduced and released... It had the the evolution variant of the 9A engine architecture right. that didn't have the same problems as the M9X version, sure. the 906 and 907. Yeah. The big things in the 906s and 907s is if you're consistently driving at sixth at regular American highway speeds, you've even for fuel efficiency reasons, you're 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 crank spinning at 1500 to 2000 RPM. Mm. If you want to overtake and you don't downshift, your crank will walk. It will. Oh, because you're flex. lugging it, kind of. You're uh, lugging the motor, and it yeah. will flex. And, and you've got these 997s that have highway miles and broken cranks for that reason. The later the 911s, you didn't really get that. Mm. But I still have a natural aversion to... Wait, how does a crank walk and then break? Well, so when you want to save money, because you're the most profitable car company in the world, <laughs> but you were nearly bankrupt 10 years ago, you... Um, you try and buy a Volkswagen, and then a financial crisis hits, and, and then, then they Volkswagen buy you. buys you. But it's okay because you, the Porsche family, own Volkswagen or run Volkswagen. Anyways, yeah, and you know it's like it's it's a family reunion. The uncle's weird, um, and you you basically you go to a Japanese car designer to design your new modern 911. They do that, and then you do the first generation, and then you do the second one. Realize we can save money here and here and here, and you stop putting forged parts and things. So. What you're saying is the 997 has more cost cutting than the 996, or equal much, amount in different measures. Much more. Really? really? This really goes against everything. I would have that thought I've the heard. other way it around. Yeah. No, it does because um, you know the Cayenne and the Boxster and and the new wave of cars really ushered in a modern corporate culture. Yeah. And so while for the 996, they still they engineered it the old-fashioned way to be futuristic. Yeah. Um, and then by the time they got to the 907, they realized, stuff this, like we're going to do what everyone else is doing. Um, <laughs> because you think about the timeline, you know, mm. the, the financial crisis, that was really when Volkswagen stepped in and yeah. said, hey, yeah, our, our accountants aren't going to approve this. Mm-hmm. And so another aspect to that, I'm not blaming, I'm not blaming cost cutting for the crank being more likely to flex in the 907, the 906, yeah. but more the displacement, the displacement, they increase the bore but not necessarily the stroke to get I to the see. Yeah. And so it put more pressure on the ends. And it was when you do that, that that's what I have created issues. I mean, this venues. is just like forum data, but that the S's just have more points of catastrophic failure uh, for no scientifically proven reason, just that uh, by number of posts that the S's are more vulnerable to catastrophic failure. So I feel like you should be able to answer this because if you talk about the the nine and one turbos and and the packages, they say that two thirds are sold are S's, mm. right? The, the nine and one turbo itself is a rare beast yeah. compared to its more expensive variant. Yeah. And I wonder if for the nine and seven there was something there's something along those lines where maybe there's a lot more of them and people race them more. Um, but I, you know, it's a funny thing. So I am currently. 
uh, in the market for a 997. And I'm redoing this like search from three years ago uh, when I was debating between a 996 and a 997 and then ended up with a 9872. Um, so I'm coming into like the threads again about com- like between 9971 C2, 997C2S, and then 0.2s are probably more than I want to spend at this point, unless it's kind of like mid-high mileage. Uh, and even then, they're DFI, and they come with their own set of problems. Uh, but 991s, or I'm sorry, 9971s have an interesting set of issues, IMS aside. Uh, bore scoring is heavy on uh, the list of catastrophic failure points, uh, and then amongst other things as well. The GT fours and nine nine ones have the same issue. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, G wait, GT four. Oh, we talked about this before uh, in the last podcast, but because I was mistaken about the origins of that engine, uh, so it's a nine A engine. Yes, and, and, and you're right. I, I said that specifically where uh, Jake Ravy called it yeah. um, in certain aspects. And look, one of the wonderful things about Porsche is, is you can walk into the dealership and buy anything they offer, even the SUVs, mm. and you can go and hammer it around the track and yeah. it's going to last. Yeah. I mean, the, can't, the, same, the same can't be said for, for most vehicles. You can right. drive off a lot. They're, they're not track ready. Yeah. Um, and this is where I really want to temper temper expectations you know yeah. as far as when you're looking at the older cars and their failure rates is because those cars have had terrifically hard lives sure compared to any of their contemporaries you might want to consider tracking i mean you you look at the m3 subframe issue mm-hmm. those cars were just hammered yeah hammered at the track consistently and we found that problem and yeah. bmw themselves they probably tracked their their trial cars for a while and went yep. that's fine mm-hmm. but the metal fatigue set in um that being said, if you're if you're falling into that category, and we joked about rooftop tents and yeah. 996s and things like that, the 996C4S to me is a is a high point of that particular era. Um, I, I Why the, the C4S in particular? It, it's the wide, it's the turbo without the turbo. Right, it's you know, a nice it's, wide body, and I do think. But it's the same uh, M96 engine. But it's the second the 36, you know, the 320ish horsepower yeah. and um that's a reliable one we don't get a lot of yeah. problems with them uh the other car that i never see i mean there are there are endemic issues with them but they're actually really rare yeah it's the 907.2 yeah you don't see them driving you don't and they didn't make this. a lot of them that's the other thing it was only yeah it was made you know? during the recession no one was yeah. buying new but Porsches. here's the thing is that so jake robbie uh did predict uh that they'd eventually have carbon buildup issues and now today to this day or rather uh in this era on the forums people it's not as catastrophic as bore scoring and ims but people are complaining on in very small numbers that there are some carbon buildup issues and which but same with any dfi engine anyways so it may or may not i i you would be able to speak to this more but uh cleaning up carbon buildup on a 9a engine I've, is, ne- I've never had to do it okay yeah i don't know what is involved how much more involved it might be it, it, well it it would be a process yeah. um it would be a process you, you've got a number of hours to pull the intakes yeah. on the top which we do from time to time a number of hours to pull the the exhaust manifolds on yeah. the bottom you do from time to time um, but, but really strictly, I've never had to do it. Yeah. Um, no one's ever come with me with a particular concern. 
I would love that to be the deal of the century because uh, I saw in the search two uh, 997.2s in the mid 30s right now for about 70,000 miles. Ooh. And if they, I mean, I think that they are likely more robust, obviously, than the M96 engines. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know how catastrophic, not catastrophic, but how what an issue a uh, carbon buildup would be. So I wouldn't consider that the issue. I would expect some budget to replace the high-pressure fuel pump. Mm. That's a common failure point. There. Sure. Um, also, in, in that category, if someone were to come to me and say, hey, I want to buy a 997.2 GTS, yeah. I don't have a single bad thing to say sure. about them. I mean, that is a future classic. And Honestly, phenomenal I'd rather... I, I've like done searches. They're all cabrios and the ones that aren't cabrios and the ones that are cabrios yeah. are also all pdk and pdk also is true. fine but we're probably not it looking just, for that no but that, that's true. the most expensive non-turbo you can they're, buy the gts uh, they're a or lot of you're talking final final model year final two model years yeah all cabrios you're yeah. right that, that's true except the uh the one 997.2 uh gts that i regularly work with is is a manual yeah oh that's yeah. nice and it's a coupe that's cool that's, that's cool. rare and it's black but, and black and it's that's honestly terrible, terrible but it's, day, i'm sure it's a cool car all day long i'd rather have like maybe some carbon buildup issues and uh uh high pressure fuel pump issues than ims or bore scoring or broken cranks or broken cranks yeah. because like at the very least you Did don't need to tear down the, the entire two? engine did the crank change when they went to the nine? The so nine A when they the... when they went to the nine A engine in the point two, they removed the intermediate shaft entirely. Yeah, uh-huh. completely redesigned the engine. No, I okay. um, They lowered the crank. I mean, they kind of lowered a lot of parts of it um, in, into the bottom of the car. I mean, it is a much better engine. Okay, um, hands down, a much better engine. It to me, it's 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 very telling of Porsche that. For all the new 911 generations, we don't see a lot of problems that pop up. Those engines tend to be pretty bulletproof, yeah. pretty reliable. When every single generation of Cayenne and every single Panamera and every single Macan has problems. Yeah. When they repurpose an engine from somewhere else, issues. Yeah. It's, it's that Leipzig thing. Did Also, did you know that the Ura, Lamborghini Urus engine is built in Stuttgart? Oh no! <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So, it's a, it, it, well, these uh, the V8 the V8 twin turbo most premium Audi VAG Group engine is built in Zuffenhausen by Porsche, yeah, and it goes into the Urus. In yeah. the six cylinder, wait, is there a six cylinder uh, Urus? No, no. Okay, so it's all V8. It's the is it the, it's the Audi Volkswagen? Engine. Okay, yes, the Volkswagen, Volkswagen Audi. Audi, 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 Audi yeah. Have you driven one? No. Oh, I. God, it's an ugly car. The only time they look good is in black when everything's hidden. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of a little bit? The Isuzu Axiom. Ooh, good comparison. But like... I don't know what that is, but oh, I'm laughing at the Isuzu comparison. Yeah, yeah. The, it, the Axiom actually seems more like it'd be a Euro Australian Joe's, car. Joe Isuzu is laughing Joe at Isuzu, you. Joe Isuzu, I know. Well, I think should, she is. should we wrap this up? I think we should wrap this up. Okay. Because we are coming up on the hour and 15 here, but... Oh Jordan. It'll be 45 when we cut everything out. I know. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. And, Cheers. Uh, we hope that you might stay in my guest shed in the back. It's not air conditioned, I'm afraid. For the, the next heat episode. is on. Oh, this spot yeah. is there. We insist that you be on the next episode, but you'll have to I sleep. W- I will. I will stay right here. Okay. okay. Have Excellent. A nap. Actually, um, Mind I'll, roll, I'll, I'll roll out the swag. Yeah. Ah, Camp yeah. by the Billy Bong. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and uh, that. Is a couple of lines from our most Austra- you know famous Australian poem, Old oh, Sigma Tilda. My God, okay. it's about a guy that steals a sheep. 
we'll link to and that. And then dies. Yeah. Do Do you have anything you want to promote? Uh, no, I really don't. I mean, I've got two wonderful, beautiful cars for sale, but I don't really want to sell them. I want to keep them. Okay. But unfortunately, Business Daddy suggests that putting cash back into the shop is a really good idea right now. Okay. So there is a 2002 E46 M3 convertible with a manual, 80,000 miles, restored, wonderful car. And then a 1989 944S2 that I absolutely loved until i let kevin drive it and he got out with a tepid response oh my god i was hoping you wouldn't hear that and then you heard it on this show how could i expect that anyone to listen to this my god follow jordan follow modern air cooled on instagram yep and follow us new for 96 send us an email it's linked in there somewhere and i think that's a show i think that's a show thanks for listening thanks jordan for being on goodbye thank you for having me on again